Security pros are used to uncertainty. They don't like it, but it's part of the job. But one thing is certain, they're gonna be asked, what are we doing to prevent a ransomware attack? That's because ransomware attacks have increased by nearly 500% since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, I think any security conversation that doesn't bring up and, and really address ransomware uh, would, would be making a mistake. Certainly, there is a dynamic marketplace right now in ransomware, and bringing the affiliate model to ransomware brought a sense of scale and formalization. And, and um, even though we don't really like to think about criminal enterprises as industry, the reality is for a lot of these groups, they are an industry. But it's not just ransomware. Bad actors have a vast arsenal of tactics at their disposal. They use the latest tools. They know where the vulnerabilities lie. And they understand human nature. The good news is security pros also have a growing arsenal of tools and tactics of their own at hand to help protect their data, networks, infrastructure, and most importantly, people. In this episode, we'll explore, with the help of folks on the front line, some of the tactics and tools that can reduce vulnerability, not just for ransomware, but across the threat matrix. Hi, I'm Jim Malone, and welcome to Network Security for a Hybrid Business World, brought to you by IDG and Comcast Business. This five-episode podcast series will explore the events that have put network cybersecurity at the forefront and the tools and technologies that businesses and IT leaders should be eyeing to address current and future cybersecurity demands. We're going to focus on the network, the devices, software, and hardware that keep us all connected. A network is only valuable if it's secure, easy to manage, and intelligent. In this second episode, we'll focus on the most prevalent threats, like ransomware, and some tactics that can reduce vulnerability, not just for ransomware, but across the threat environment. Concepts like zero trust, frameworks like SASE, and practices like intelligent security. Ransomware gets a lot of headlines. It's a cyber attack that can shut down a business. The bad guys hold data and access to data hostage until an organization agrees to pay the ransom. John Pescatori of the Sands Institute says ransomware falls into the everything old is new again category of cyber attacks. So the first point I always bring up is ransomware really is not that much different than the standard types of malware attacks we've been seeing. The vast majority of uh, ransomware events start with a phishing front end. So protecting against phishing attacks was important, is still important. What's really different is ransomware brought in a denial of service element. Breaches would steal information, cost the company money, embarrassing press. But the uh, ships kept leaving the dock. The gas kept flowing through the pipeline when there was just breaches. When you add in that denial of service element, as we saw in the Colonial Pipeline attack and many others, uh, when the business comes to a screeching halt and customers are in the news because they're waiting online for gas for hours or days, um, it, it definitely brings a bigger form of attention. So it's back to that 
point of resiliency or reliability. The denial of service impacts from ransomware pointed out um, how important it was to have tested backup systems, to have tested backup data, to be able to restore data if an incident did happen and so on. Because ransomware involves financial risk, Pescatori says another dimension is added, insurance companies. The financial impact of ransomware and the involvement of how very expensive cyber insurance policies brought in yet another external party, not just compliance regulators, but now the insurance companies themselves had requirements and things they would scan or have services scan enterprises looking for bad practices in network security and lack of secure web servers, for example. Ransomware gets the headlines. It's easy to understand. It's like a plot ripped from a detective story. But threats have propagated across the board, says Ziz Karavala, networking analyst and founder of ZK Research. In fact, I think I, I saw on a Google website that uh, they reported there has been a 300% rise in phishing since the pandemic began. So uh, threat actors now are attacking the users directly instead of trying to breach the big firewalls and things like that that we have. Now, that has an interesting impact on the network itself. If you think these attacks are more user-driven, you would want to protect the endpoint, but it creates a much bigger attack surface. And so now every worker's device, every home worker becomes a point of entry for companies. Uh, it's likely that somebody somewhere is going to get breached. You can try and uh, train your users, but often um, even the, the best trained ones, uh, something slips through. And once they're through, then it's up to the network to see those things. And so security has become this kind of weird asymmetric problem where the number of entry points continues to grow exponentially. This is where the convergence of networking and security stands out, with networks taking a critical role, not as a target, but as a tactic and a tool for better security. And Zeus Karavala says IT and networking teams are catching on. The bad guys have to find one way in. And so for the good guys, for the businesses out there, what they what they can look for is anomalies in network traffic and things that really aren't normal or, or kind of deviate from the norm. And so I think from that perspective, the networks become um, the foundation for good security because it can see things that other systems can't and connect the dots between all those systems. Today's networks are intelligent, aware, virtual, flexible, and increasingly secure. Advances in virtualization, software as a service models, and protocols like Zero Trust have strengthened networks immensely. But one framework, SASE, that's Secure Access Service Edge, is getting a lot of attention. But there's some confusion in the marketplace still about SASE. Comcast Business's Jeff Lewis, who's VP of Active Core Products and Solutions, shared his perspective on SASE with us. It is not possible to go purchase a SASE. I would like to deploy a SASE unit in my branch office. Um, unfortunately, um, many customers are thinking that that's what you can do, and it's it, it's a bit disingenuous. Think of SASE as a framework, Lewis tells us. The idea of SASE to us, to me and, and to my company, is it's an evolution of bringing security together with networking in a very logical way. And it kind of goes to what I was describing, where it started off with 
securing the site-to-site -site communication. It's evolved into the perimeter, the edge, moving truly to a edge that is no longer the traditional edge. Security, it must be part of the framework. And you need to be able to drive security into that. And then now, um, SASE starts to incorporate, well, wait a minute, you have secure remote access, you have zero touch network access, which those two solutions sort of um, uh, bump into each other. One's going to displace the other. Jeff Lewis is referring here to the fact that the SASE framework comprises a host of functions, 14 in this context, in fact, most of which can stand alone. Again, he emphasizes that SASE isn't a product and that deploying these functions piecemeal is a perfectly okay way to enhance network security. I think you'll find that within those 14, most businesses probably only need about four or five different attributes um, in order to really feel like they've, they've gotten themselves along the continuum of what SASE is really trying to talk about. Before there was SASE, there was SDN, Software Defined Networking. SDN made possible SD-WAN, Software Defined Wide Area Networking. And here's where security and networking really started to come together. Comcast Business's Shanna Seneca Tarnish, who's VP of Cybersecurity Products, says SDN and SD-WAN are key drivers for converging network and security. I think it's especially associated with software defined networking because you know SD SD WAN brought an important application awareness and traffic shaping and steering to, to wide area networks. And then with that, you know, security was initially addressed separately. But as the the beauty of what SDN can bring to you um, today, you can no longer have a conversation about networking without discussing how to secure it from end to end. And as more and more vendor solutions include both, you know, software defined networking and advanced security in it, the more blurred the lines get. And, um, you know, the more you have the traditional network and security personnel within a business coming together to create these solutions. Comcast Business's Jeff Lewis says while SDN was not designed as a security protocol per se, SDN has a role protecting against threats. I think one example, because security certainly raises a lot of aspects and a lot of questions about threat uh, environments and, and what, the, what the bad guys are trying to do to penetrate into the network, um, that SD-WAN likely would not have much of a role on. But where it really does have an interesting role is a little bit of what I was talking about on application aware or end user aware, where the fact that SD-WAN actually knows what applications, it's all the way down to the application level. You can start correlating security events against applications, websites, locations. You can start routing around things, dropping routes, managing routes, or at least watching and measuring and managing what's happening into the network. So the, in, the deep insight that SD-WAN gives that no other traditional um, IP layer service has ever been able to give us, like MPLS was not able to give us this visibility. 
Zero Trust. It's a security concept centered on the belief that organizations shouldn't automatically trust anything inside or outside its perimeters. Instead, they must verify anything and everything trying to connect to its systems before granting access. As threats proliferate, does it make sense to trust nothing? Shanna Seneca Tarnish with Comcast Business. So in the old model, all computers and systems and user devices were trusted within a physical corporate office. They were all on the same network and were trusted. You could, you know, print to a local printer that you were on the same network, you were trusted to do that. Zero trust is a security model and architecture that is leveraged to identify whether you can be trusted uh, to have access to whatever it is you're trying to reach, regardless of what network you're on. And by default, there's no trust. So organizations require advanced security platforms and tools like identity access management and multi-factor authentication in order to execute this zero trust model and architecture. And you know, ultimately the model will help in our new normal as we are rarely in the same location or on the same network. Like any emerging IT practice, zero trust has its challenges. Among them, a piecemeal approach to zero trust can create security gaps. Zero trust cybersecurity requires commitment to ongoing administration. Zero trust models rely on a vast network of strictly defined permissions, but companies are always evolving. Productivity. IT and security teams have to balance locking down access with keeping workflows humming along. Still, Zeus Caravala is bullish on zero trust. So zero trust, I think, is a is 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 the way moving forward, especially in an era where there's lots of IoT devices. IoT devices typically only need access to one or two systems in order to work. And you can imagine with the old model, one IoT breach could lead to massive uh, a massive breach within the company. But now it would be it would be it would be contained to just a very small area. So I think what Zero Trust does is it is it helps us. Um, segment our environment in, into much smaller areas, things that are manageable and controllable. So if we do get breached, it, it, um, it, it protects us from having it uh, uh, become a really big event. As the bad actors have gotten smarter, networks have also become more intelligent. Artificial intelligence, machine learning, and analytics are finding a home in the security toolkit. That data can help predict and prevent cyber attacks. Comcast Business's Jeff Lewis. Using AI and ML techniques is huge, or at least we believe it's huge. Um, it's a buzzword in the industry, so you got to be really careful about what we hear. Um, but what we see is cross-product correlation and predictive analytics so that you can have a self-healing predictive network. Well, if you think about it, as you start using, let's say, older SOC type infrastructure, you know, old could be five years, but, but that technology, that technique, that security posture on managing the secure networks on behalf of customers is evolving in the different techniques and other different mechanisms, one of which is MDR, the managed detection and response capabilities. And as you move into MDR, blending that into a predictive analytic environment where if you see something coming back um, from your MDR infrastructure that's telling you there's a threat and I need to respond, being able to tie that back 
to an ML uh, infrastructure, for example, and then act on it on behalf of the customer to mitigate a risk or to take an action is huge. And what I'm speaking about here is it's not just an SD-WAN environment. It's not just your underlay transport environment, which could be uh, broadband, could be fiber fed, could be LTE based, right? But it's also the complementary applications that are running within this network. It could be managing, manipulating, shutting down a cloud access point. It could be interfacing with a Wi-Fi access point that might've been compromised. So being able to put all of those inferences together within your integrated software defined, you know, a lot of people might call this software defined branch. There's lots of different buzzwords, but bringing it into your software defined infrastructure and tying it with what you're getting fed from the smart security infrastructure, like an MDR environment, those events can coordinate and collaborate together in order to protect, mitigate, or otherwise alert and inform your customer. So I see that as a really interesting um, scenario. We're real big in AI and ML right now. Um, we're looking at it um, from both the security aspect, but also enabling other products and services that are considered over the top, but want to be integrated in an experienced way. And I think that that's a really interesting way of correlating and combining the two. Thank you for joining us. In upcoming episodes of Network Security for a Hybrid Business World, we'll be talking more about the convergence of networking and security, how security pros are fighting back, as well as the critical people factors that are emerging as key concerns for the future of secure networks with our roster of experts and special guests. So for Comcast Business and IDG, Jim Malone saying, thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by IDG Communications Incorporated in conjunction with our sponsor, Comcast Business.